0: This is The Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today's Tuesday, December 27th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our top story from 2022 is in the American Journal of Psychiatry, titled Defining Recovery from Alcohol Use Disorder, Development of an NIAAA Research Definition. In this study... The authors present a newly developed National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism definition of recovery from the DSM-5 diagnosis of alcohol use disorder. This definition views recovery as a process of behavioral change and an outcome, incorporating two key components of recovery, remission from DSM-5 alcohol use disorder and cessation from heavy drinking, a non-abstinent recovery outcome. The study also emphasizes the importance of biopsychosocial functioning and quality of life in enhancing outcomes. By adopting a uniform definition, researchers and healthcare professionals can more precisely operationalize and measure recovery-related processes. Our second story from 2022, outcomes after implementation of a benzodiazepine-sparing alcohol withdrawal order set in an integrated healthcare system, and is in JAMA Network Open. Alcohol withdrawal syndrome is commonly managed with benzodiazepines. Adverse effects associated with these drugs have spurred interest in using benzodiazepine-sparing treatments. This quality improvement study evaluated revised protocol designed to decrease benzodiazepine exposure across 21 community-based hospitals in California. Benzodiazepine sparing order set implementation was associated with a decrease in benzodiazepine administration and an increase in use of benzodiazepine. Favorable trends were noted in outcome measures and statistically significant relative reductions in ICU use and LOS after implementation. Next is an article in the American Journal of Psychiatry, titled Long-term cannabis users show lower cognitive reserves and smaller hippocampal volume in midlife. This study followed a population representative birth cohort for five decades, which enabled a comparison of a person's midlife cognitive abilities to their childhood cognitive abilities before cannabis initiation. Results showed that long-term cannabis users may have diminished cognitive reserves in midlife and mild cognitive deficits in midlife are associated with increased risk of dementia in later life. Long-term cannabis use might be a modifiable risk factor for dementia. Next, we have a study in the Journal of Addiction Medicine titled Polysubstance Overdose Deaths in the Fentanyl Era, a Latent Class Analysis. Overdose deaths continue to be the cause of significant mortality in the U.S., and while opioids are involved in most overdoses. Other substances are frequently involved. In this study, the authors examined overdose records in Maryland to assess the substance involved. While fentanyl was involved in the most overdoses at 71%, polysubstance use was found in most deaths at 76%. Patterns of overdose substance use did vary by demographics and location. Interventions to decrease harm and overdose deaths need to address polysubstance use and should be targeted to patterns of use in geographic regions and populations. Our next study is in the American Journal of Psychiatry, titled Alcohol and Cannabis Use Disorders. A summary of the findings in this issue includes, one, the prevalence of cannabis use and cannabis use disorder in veterans and the factors contributing to use and misuse in this population. Two, an association between cannabis use or cannabis use disorder and self-reported psychotic disorders and the increased prevalence of psychotic disorders conferred by cannabis use. Three, a marked increase in premature mortality in patients with eating disorders who also have substance use disorders, and four, how alcohol consumption and alcohol-related problems share genetic underpinnings with each other and with alcohol dependence. The next article, Pre-Addiction, a Missing Concept for Treating Substance Use Disorder, is in JAMA Psychiatry. This opinion piece calls for intervention with mild substance use disorder to interrupt the progression to severe substance use disorder. The authors suggest the term pre-addiction, similar to the concept of pre-diabetes. Engaging the public in screening and intervening with pre-diabetes has succeeded in halting progression of the condition for substance use disorder. Existing interventions such as screening and brief intervention as well as computerized cognitive behavioral therapy could be used. The authors argue that it will be necessary for medical and nursing schools to teach recognition and management of substance use disorders and for there to be adequate reimbursement for those interventions. Next, we have a study in The Lancet Psychiatry titled Associations of Cannabis Potency with Mental Ill Health and Addiction. This is the first systematic review of the association of cannabis potency with mental health and addiction. Overall, use of higher-potency cannabis relative to lower-potency cannabis was associated with an increased risk of psychosis and cannabis use disorder. Evidence varied for depression and anxiety. Standardization of exposure measures and longitudinal designs are needed to strengthen the evidence of this association. Another study in JAMA Network Open is titled Comparative Effectiveness Associated with Buprenorphine and Naltrexone in Opioid Use Disorder and Co-Occurring Polysubstance Use. This comparative effectiveness study evaluated over 100,000 individuals with opioid use disorder using insurance claims. Individuals with opioid use disorder and co-occurring substance use disorders were less likely to receive buprenorphine and more likely to receive extended-release naltrexone than peers without polysubstance use. These findings suggest that individuals with co-occurring substance use disorders were less likely to receive buprenorphine, despite buprenorphine's association with protecting against overdose. Our next study, Long-Term Risk of Overdose or Mental Health Crisis After Opioid Dose Tapering is in JAMA Network Open. In this cohort study, over 19,000 patients experienced opioid dose tapering from 2008 to 2017. the study found that rates of withdrawal, overdose, and mental health crisis each increased significantly in the post-induction period. These findings suggest that elevated risks of overdose and mental health crisis may persist for up to two years after taper initiation. Patients prescribed higher doses may benefit from more intensive support and monitoring, particularly for depression and suicidality. Our final study, recidivism and mortality after in-jail buprenorphine treatment for opioid use disorder, is in drug and alcohol dependence. This study examined individuals with opioid use disorder in two jails in adjacent Massachusetts counties. One jail provided buprenorphine to incarcerated individuals with opioid use disorder, and the other did not. Individuals were followed for at least one year after release, and data were collected on recidivism and mortality. Recidivism included reincarceration, arraignment, or probation violation. Buprenorphine was associated with reduced odds of recidivism overall and of reincarceration. Mortality in the first year was similar for both groups. The researchers conclude these data support provision of buprenorphine for opioid use disorder in jails. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ACM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and ACM.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.